Star Wars sessions. Probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars sessions podcast. Palpatine loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars sessions. This is the way. This is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there, and the only man to look better in a cape than Lando Carizian. It's Master Blywalker himself, Luke Bly. How are you, my friend? You're right, gangster. How on yes. earth are you? Doing good, my friend. I'm still getting used to having to say like we're in the hundreds now. And I know we go on about it a lot, but in the hundreds. 102, mate. But like, I'm all right, mate. I've got a massive like uh, unit-sized mug of tea. It's a Force Awakens <laughs> cup, which I got from the Disney store for about 15 quid back in oh. 2015. It's huge, mate, but... Got that for tonight's show. Keep me warm. How you, are you, though, my friend? You have a stacked Ben Swolo cup of he's, tea. He's basically. on there. There's Phasma in the days when I thought she might actually do something. Oh. There's the English Rose. There's Poe looking like a stud. It's great. 15 quid Disney store. Bargain. Bargain. Oh, it is for Disney stories. Yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. No, mate, I, I swear it has been like one of the coldest weeks in like... This this part of England <laughs> you since nineteen ninety five, mate. I read since, about it since ninety five. It's been really unusually cold, and today it went back to like being eleven degrees. And I was like, man, it's so mild and, and, no. and nice. That's Put Celsius. By and the way. On. That is Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Oh so. yeah, yeah, Celsius. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, I had a t shirt on. I had my sandals and socks on because I'm British, trying to catch some rays in this heat. <laughs> What, uh, old Razy Diddley's? <laughs> trying to catch Ray, literally trying to catch her. <laughs> Couldn't find her though in Brentwood, but if you're ever around, Daisy, you know, we'll, we'll go and get a coffee in Brentwood High Street. That's it. Take her to uh, Costa. That's um, it, Costa. Dude, um, it's been a bit of a busy week in Star Wars, hasn't it? I, I mean, it, that's almost like an understatement, isn't it? But <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's been, it's been a busy week and. Before we started off the the usual segments and the usual frivolities, we did want to touch base with the big uh, news story of the week, obviously, or of the year. Obviously, that being Gina Carano has left The Mandalorian and Lucasfilm has parted ways with her due to uh, her comments on social media. And I think we just wanted to start the episode off simply by saying that, you know, we wanted to recognize that this has happened. We didn't want to brush over the subjects for me personally, my personal thoughts and opinions do not align with what was said. And in the interest of the show, we wanted to make that clear, but Luke, uh, we thought we should mention up top because let's Mm. face it. It's, it's not small news, is it? No, not, not at all. And, um, we're not really a show to talk real worldly things. Um, Mm you know so uh but yeah likewise um unfortunately gina has um said some really out there things 
Um, and Lucasfilm and Disney have decided, you know, we're not going to work with her anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world by any means, you know? So, um, yeah, <laughs> we just, yeah. we just wanted to say that up, up top. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what we think about. It. And of course that then opens up the question, which we're not going to discuss tonight because who knows of, you know, is it going to, we're going to get a recast. How's the character of Cara Dune, which is the most important thing here, the character, how's that going to be? best served but however that will be for uh john favreau dave filoni kathleen kennedy big boy colin wilson to sort out but um mm-hmm. that was the main news story but it doesn't change the fact that i can in the background hear the chimes of big ben kenobi which surely only means one other thing oh matty boy i think i think it means it's the galactic news round Speculation has arisen over Maul's return to Star Wars after Ray Park posted Maul behind-the-scenes photos online. Star Wars sessions believe this to be old solo production images. Star Wars Battlefront 2 actress Janina Gavankar tweets spark fresh new Inferno Squad story rumours set during the time of The Mandalorian. Cara Dune, the Mandalorian action figures have been cancelled by Hasbro. And according to various online reports, Luke Bly is set for a role in a droid's tale. Hi, I'm Ken Absock, author of Why We Love Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Over here aboard the Essex Falcon, we love something called Rogue One. 2016's Rogue One came out of the blocks after The Force Awakens. What a time to be a Star Wars fan. You got The Force Awakens. Generally, people liked it. It was a return to form. It brought back the, the, the spectacle of Star Wars. Rogue One came out 2016. It gave us a different kind of Star Wars story for me. The best one. So we're going to be talking tonight about the Rogue One Paradox. Luke Bly had come up with this idea, and I think it's a wonderful idea for a main discussion. So, uh, Master Blywalker, the Rogue One paradox, for the listeners out there, before we start talking about it, what do we mean by that? So, it's this issue that's arisen, really, or, or I'd say we've noticed that Rogue One is an entire film that explains how the Rebels knew how to take down the Death Star in the original A New Hope, Star Wars, Episode 4, the OG. Um, it filled a lot of plot holes. You know, for decades, um, cartoonists, writers, uh, everyone, film anchors, would be, uh, you know, saying, ah, making fun of the exhaust port in, in Star Wars, <laughs> you know, like, saying, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, let's build a Death Star, but let's put this tiny speck in the ship where if you blow, if you if you fire into it, it just blows the whole thing up. Um, and Rogue One fixes that. It fixes it, but it also just answers the question of, well, how did they get the plans? How do they know where to shoot? It's, it's, it's excellent. It is phenomenal. Now, Matty Boy... <clears throat> If you don't mind me just going into like my early thoughts on this. 
fire because away, mate. You may fire when ready. You are, oh, we love Rogue One, don't we? But let, but let's let's continue. Let's continue the chat. Let's continue the chat, right? I found it crazy, Matty boy, that in mm-hmm. 2015, alert! Someone's. Did you hear that? Some mental loud motorbike outside. A U-wing's just gone past. A U-wing just went by. Do you know what? That is one of those stupid little scooters that's probably like 30cc. Little horsepower. That little lawnmower jobby. Yeah, like three horsepower or something. And they just put a fart cannon on the back. That's it. It's spluttering in the background. so annoying. So I do apologise about that. But hang, hang on, hang on. Right, so 2015, Force Awakens comes out. And like you said, mate, it is generally a very well received film yeah, man. Uh, myself included i love the force awakens it gives mm-hmm. me a lot of feel uh, f- good feelings um it just it, it ticks a lot of the boxes and i, I feel really nostalgic for it yeah. however the biggest issue i have with that film or one of the biggest issues i have with that film is star killer base star killer base basically the the rebels come in and just go so we need to blow this up. It's a bigger Death Star. Um, there's got to be a, a weak bit. It's got to be a yeah. thermal oscillator somewhere. It's here. Okay, let's go blow it up and see what happens. <laughs> Is it? It's, Nobody cares, do they? Yeah, it, and you can kind of get away with it a, a little bit if you're being if you're being quite generous and a bit flexible. You can be like, okay, well. They just figured out a weak spot and just went and blew it up and, and, and saw what happened. Like they didn't know for definite if that was actually going to work or not. Yeah, there's that argument. But Matty boy, here's the funny thing. Go on, sir. While this was in development, while while the Force Awakens was being written, shot, right, and 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 produced, so was Rogue One. Rogue One was just a few steps behind. A whole film, two plus hours, dedicated to. Let's find the plans to the Death Star to figure out how to blow it up. But at the same time, Force Awakens is being released. They're just flying into, you know, a quote-unquote weak spot and, you know, just blowing it up and seeing what happens. It seems paradoxical. It seems like there's... If, if, you, if you create Rogue One, right, mm-hmm. surely something... F- is warranted for Starkiller Base. Return of the Jedi, you've got the Bodden spy line. Okay, fair enough. Maybe you can get away with that. Starkiller Base, it just seems like, hang on, what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. the reason I put the emphasis more on Rogue One, Matt, as opposed to The Force Awakens, is if Rogue One wasn't created, yeah, we probably wouldn't be talking about this. We'd probably be saying, yeah, well, you know, Okay, maybe that's a bit silly, but the New Hope thing was silly, right? They just had an exhaust port that you shot into it and the whole thing blew up. Do you know what I mean? Those jokes would have continued. That's the point. Is Rogue One fixed this whole thing, but the irony being that only a few months before, there was another problem intentionally created. It just seems absolutely bonkers to me to me matty boy am i crazy am i being over the top help help me out here you're certainly crazy but that's just <laughs> not even talking about star wars but everyone um, knows that everyone, everyone knows, knows that. yeah in terms of rogue because because i mean i've got thoughts on how return of the jedi sorted this out as well uh, well sorry led to this as well but in terms of rogue one and this new era of canon then you're quite right yeah because one of the jokes about the force awakens was 
Starkiller base. I remember when we saw it on the poster and people were like, oh, please don't say that's another super weapon, like Death Star type thing. And yeah, they went bigger. They carved out Ilum, an entire planet this time. You know, it's another Death Star. No, it's bigger. Uh, mm. Do you know, do you know mm. I know one way for me that they could have solved the whole thing. They could, they, they wouldn't have been a paradox if they'd used, if they'd asked me, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But looking at Rogue One, yes, they did. Because they basically, cause Rogue One is inc- incredible. It's, like you said, it, as we all know, it tells the story of how the Rebels got the plans, the blueprints of how to blow up the Death Star. So they, they knew that there was a weak spot on the Death Star, which you could probably reasonably assume every other super weapon or Death star light things would have. The Death Star in Return of the Jedi is another issue, of course, because they, but <sighs> the question of that wasn't finished was... Was it all part of a major ruse to lure the rebellion in for the final stand and blow them up and then finish the Death Star? Did Palpatine get too cocky? There's that as well. But mm. if the first one blew up, why do they build a second one? But in terms of Starkiller, you're right. No, nobody cared. They're like they were. They were kind of like it was like a round table. You know, like how can we? You know, like the guy, do, I'm doing the hands, but I, you can't say like how do we? How do we blow the thing up now? Come on, guys. You're like, give me some ideas. Blue sky thinking here, guys. Where's the low hanging fruit? And it's like it's more like a committee, a committee. But whereas if they'd made here you go, if they'd made Starkiller base in the first film, they tried to blow it up. They 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 did that. They went for the thermal oscillator and it didn't work. And then in the second film, it doesn't work. And in fact, they only blow it up in the third film, and Starkiller base is actually the main threat through the trilogy, then it's then there's no credibility issue there. Then they used the Rogue One method of right. There's going to be there's there's a way to blow it. There's always a blade. Let's blow up the thermal oscillator. Oh no no, the first order. They're not that stupid. They they've they've covered this up. Then then in, in the Last Jedi or whatever it would be called, Starkiller Base is still a problem. The rebels, the the resistance cannot. They can't figure out how to blow this thing up because their rudimentary tactics and before don't work. And it isn't until Episode Nine where they finally blow it up. For me, if Starkiller was a, a was a threat throughout the trilogy then there is no paradox. But because they just bring it in to be blown up, it's and we all know it's one of the most daft things about The Force Awakens was it was having another Death Star, but the fact that it's a planet which could be blown up so easily just by Poe blowing up a few pillars uh, in, in the oscillator, they blew up an entire planet. Whereas we saw in, in Rogue One, we saw the Death Star blow up Jeddah, or at least blow up Jeddah City, and it only took a chunk of the planet out. So... um there is a lot of fault on the JJ, Larry Kasdan and team as well in The Force Awakens for just creating a big daft issue, basically. But you're not crazy in thinking that what Rogue One did, as well as it did it, it did kind of make The Force Awakens look a bit silly in comparison, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Because even in, in tone, Rogue One and Force Awakens are so different. But... It just seems like Rogue One. You 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 almost you, you almost take it more seriously, just because you're like, wow, this is really like, this is really like solving a plot problem. You know, this is really solving and answering a lot of questions. Whereas if Rogue with with Force Awakens, especially this plot line, it raises questions. Right, that's kind of the whole point of the film. But with Starkiller Base, like you said, what you have just said it is is an incredible proposal. Like, imagine if they did that, Matt. I, honestly, that. I think that is yeah, that is an absolute genius idea. Because well, as as you floated this idea, mate. That is what I thought is 
the Death Star in Rogue One is threatening. It does it does the business. Yes, Starkiller Base does also blow up the Hosnian system, but the Death Star felt you know every time that you saw it come into screen, they made it feel like a real threat. With Starkiller, we didn't we just saw a couple of shots of it. It blew up the planets. They didn't give it that sense of awe and wonder. So as soon as you came up with this idea, I was like, well, how how could they have how could they have made Starkiller Base work without then um, destroying what Rogue One did? That was how how it works for me. Just have it a consistent throughout the trilogy, man. Right. It, it seems because then your episode eight that could have been you know your subplot that could have been well ray goes and does her jedi training meanwhile the resistance has to figure out how they're going to blow up this star killer base you could almost imagine like in episode seven they try to fire star killer base and it just doesn't work you know they just they've not really tested it just doesn't work it fails maybe blows up like loads of people the first order loads loses loads of people and you could dive into the politics that way of of the of the galaxy that way, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's weird, dude. It really is weird because you know when when I when I think back to when I watched Star Wars growing up, I never really looked at blowing up of the Death Star, blowing up of the Trade Federation ship too in Phantom Menace, right? Because that that mirrored um, the Death Star Death Star One in the New Hope, right? Phantom yep. Menace mirrors. A new hope, a lot. It's um, the whole thing, right? It literally is poetry. It rhymes, and that's got that the whole ring theory online. It's exactly that. Yeah, and and the thing is, when I when I when I look back at those times, you know, and when I look back at why I love Star Wars so much, it's not always because the goodies blow up the Death Star. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not yeah. that. I don't like, for example, I hold Force Awakens in such a high regard. But I don't think of Starkiller Base as a reason for that, right? And blowing said base up. Like, I don't go, oh, what a moment. You know, in, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan for, like, super CG fests, you know? Yeah. Like, I watched the first Avengers a couple months ago on Disney+, and I swear the battle for New York goes on for, like, 40 minutes. I was like, mate, what is going on? I haven't seen that one for a while, mate. Mate, what is going on? I, I, I lost, I, I just lost, it, it lost me. My attention span just wasn't there. And that bit of The Force Awakens, it's, thank goodness, just the way Star Wars works, there's a lot of things going on in the background. You know, there's a lot more interesting things going on, like with Rey and Kylo and Finn on, on the ground of Starkiller, you know, which is... Oh, as you say, my boy, it's chef's kiss. Like, that is, like, gorgeous. That is just mm, beautiful. The colors, beautiful. And just, oh, oh, I can teach you to use the force or whatever he says. I'm useless. You need a teacher. That's it. I'm useless at remembering, like, lyrics, words, everything. <laughs> I am useless. Uh, like, my mate Jake, who I grew up with, um, my best mate, he he can listen to a song like four times and know the words to it. I can listen to a song my whole life and I still don't know the words. Like Arely, my missus, she laughs at me about it. She's like, "You are you are rubbish at this, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes." I don't know why. I just am. Anyway, anyway, it's gorgeous though. Hey, that that bit of Force Awakens is lovely, but it is almost Perfect. like I'm I'm. It feels like the Starkiller stuff is an afterthought. It's like, oh, they need a threat, and they need a reason for the Resistance to come together to fight the First Order. So let's give them a killer planet. 
And it just, it, it baffles me, Matt, that this is all going on and this is all getting signed off, yeah? Mm-hmm. At the yep. same time, Rogue One is in production. It is filming. It is, it is, it is getting done, right? They're signing off a whole film, a whole film about stealing the Death Star plans. And they're signing off on Starkiller Base. Okay, how do you... All right, we're just going to fly in and blow it. But what? Yeah, that's I the don't worst thing they could have done, mate. The worst thing they could have done is have that planet blow up. Like you said, either have it, either have it a threat through the whole thing where the fact that, no, it actually does do some serious damage to the Resistance in the first film. Mm. So then the second film was then picking up the pieces and the third film they win. Or like you say, have it malfunction somewhat. So the Resistance lose people, the First Order lose people, but it's still there. Yeah. Because the rebels' resistance, sorry, tactics didn't work. It uh, it just doesn't make an awful lot. And, and I know that it wasn't Larry Kasdan on the Rise of Skywalker, and that film had writing issues as well. And JJ has this problem sometimes. He had it in the Star Trek films where it, spectacle and kind of like bigness, epic, like scope, overtook the need for narrative structure for something decent, something solid. Um, like that moment where it's just like, right, we need to blow this thing up. Uh, well, a couple of years ago, actually, this this this, uh, this girl called Jin Erso found his plans. A couple of other geezers helped her out. All we need to do now is follow that, and we're going to win every time. This one's bigger. doesn't matter. We can always blow it up. It's that. And I know it's fun. You know, it's funny. It's Han. Like, you know, we can go blow it up. It's Han being Han. Yeah. It yeah. just... I know what you mean. When the films are so close together, and even if the films weren't so close together, it'd still be a bit baffling, but... Re- reshoots aside, doesn't matter about that. The, the reshoots had no in the Rogue One reshoots had, weren't done because the Force Awakens came out and scuppered the whole Death Star thing. No, not at all. It just doesn't really make any sense. And I'm sure there are people out there now saying, "Come on, guys, does it matter?" Well, mm. in in the grand scheme of things, have I lost sleep over it? No, but in the storytelling side of things, it is a bit daft. And everybody knows that Star Killer is look. Star Killer gave me two of my favourite moments in the sequel trilogy. Uh, General Hux and his speech in The Force Awakens. I love that moment. So and good. That is, is honestly, that is just... So good. That's right, Dan. I agree, mate. And the fight at the end on Sarkiller with the with the almost like the purple hue of the uh, blue and red sabers in the snow. It's like perfect Star Wars location. It just happened to be on Starkiller base. They could have done that anywhere. They could have done the speech anywhere. The fact that it was on Starkiller, like you said, was a bonus. And the fact that Starkiller was around was because, like you say, they needed to bring Star Wars back into the zeitgeist once more. They needed to be a spectacle. They needed to give, well, they thought they needed to give fans something that they could look back on and think, oh, yeah, remember the Death Star? Here's a bigger version. But then a year later, we're also going to show, we're also going to lay the blueprints of how to blow up each and every single one of these things. Yeah. It just doesn't seem right. Well, what about Return of I'm sure because there'd be people saying, well, what about Return of the Jedi, guys? What about Return of the Jedi, mate? Because you've got a new hope. Um, Luke Skywalker blows up the uh, the Death Star. This is, of course, before we know about Rogue One and how they got the plans. And then in canon, was that three or four years later or five years later, whatever, Palpatine's sitting aboard a half-finished Death Star, which the Bothan spies found, and there's a thermal oscillator. So what about that, man? What about, the, is that the Empire not learning from their mistakes? Or was that George kind of thinking, I don't know how to wrap this trilogy up? Oh, see, 
that's a hard one because there's this argument the way i compare it right Mm -hmm. or what i compare it to is like nuclear weapons in this world right like let's say if one got blown up you wouldn't be like well can't do that again you would you would just build a bigger and better one and one that wouldn't be so easily destroyed apparently that's the key thing yeah right (laughs) that's that's the key Key here that's the key but still bigger but you know, put guardrails on and don't have yeah. a thermal oscillator which <laughs> can blow up. Rails. Yeah, the guardrails. Don't forget the guardrails. But um, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't defeat the point of like the actual the the the, the creation of said weapon, right? Because you're like, yeah. okay, well that obviously serves some sort of purpose. And for the Empire, a huge super weapon probably helped keep everyone in line, keep planets in line and kept fear in the galaxy, right? Okay. I, I get that. And so with Return of the Jedi, I do think it is – I think it's a mix of things. I think it is, well, we need another reason for the Rebels to all come together to beat the Empire finally, yeah. right? We need something like that. So I think Death Star 2 is almost like a natural answer for that. However, you know, could there have been something maybe a wee bit more original? Well, yeah, sure. I'm not a screenwriter, right? And I'm not a writer. So what about Star Destroyers with Death Star capabilities on them? Yeah. And you know what? (laughs) Order me a million of them. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds like, do you know what? When I think think of Rise of Skywalker, I think I was watching it at home and... I was like, oh, yeah, a planet gets blown up. Do you remember that? Yep. You do remember that? Okay. Yep. Because I, part of me was like, I think I remember that. <laughs> I remember it because then very quickly afterwards, it cuts to Poe saying, Kajimi, why? And I said, I don't know, exactly. <laughs> why? Why? Ka- what could you give me? me? Everything. You've seen before, but um, if they'd given those Star Destroyers in the Return of the Jedi, this is going to sound proper hypocritical, but if Jedi had had a, a fleet of Star Destroyers with like planet blowing up capabilities, destroying capabilities, bad English, okay, it's still a planet destroying capabilities, but it's not. But in, in the scheme of the three original films, you have a Death Star and then they expanded to a fleet of like mini Death Stars, okay, that's original. But obviously, then like six, seven, eight, nine films down the line, it's a bit daft. But um, I think super the, the idea of super weapons is hard as well. I think, but because what can you do? But mm. sorry, back to your point, though, mate. Is yeah, sorry, originality in Jedi. Yeah, no, I, I I think you can kind of get away with it. Is what I was trying to trying to get at. Um, you know, it and again, it's not really something I look at and go, oh that's ruined return of the jedi for me because when i think of return of the jedi i don't necessarily think of just death star 2 i i I think of loads of other things and that's a way down in the list of my favorite moments or or least favorite moments from from the film you know whatever that is but with with the rogue one thing matt you can't look away from that because the whole film is about stealing death star plans that's the whole film. So now when I watch Rogue One and I kind of I've I've kind of accidentally done this to myself, I think, man, how come there's not this for Starkiller Base? You know? Like I can't help but think it. And now when I watch Force Awakens, I think the exact same thing. 
You know, I think, no, I think, oh man, why isn't there a rogue one for this? You know, um, no, you're right, mate. Yeah, Ooh, it, I think Re- Resistance did try. They did, Resistance, the animated show we talk about, which we will watch again sometime, they do show moments of uh, Kaz and the others finding like the, the test subjects, I think, from Starkiller. So finding out about it, but not about it, if that makes any sense. So they, they know there's something out there, but they don't quite know what. Whereas they could have actually used Resistance, not as a Rogue One light, but... They could have been, you know, like, they could have known about Star Killer or something, but then that would have because because the the show in like overlaps with the Force Awakens, so yeah. they could have just had an episode where they are like moments before, like a, a hours before Star Killer blows up, they're trying to find a way, and someone's like, ah, we've intercepted a transmission. I don't know there's an oscillator. I don't know, but so, they could have used resistance like that and really tied it in well. Um, I think, but yeah, yeah, you you're right. You, you are right. It, it just comes down to that. Just, it's just not great planning, and we know that. I'm not going to beat that horse again, but it's not yeah. great planning. Force Awakens had a job to do. Like Bob Iger said, it's a four billion dollar film. They had to get it right. They had to give people what they what they thought Star Wars was about, which is you know a pl- the plucky underdogs up against the up against the machine, which is what they gave us. But then by giving us Rogue One. It kind of showed us that well, these things can be taken down because you know we've got these guys have got the blueprints. Uh, the Trade Federation's a different story, obviously. That was just more of a hub, which is they take the hub down, then the uh, all of the doors get taken down. So a similar idea that it was an HQ, but it's more original though, right? And it was more original. And because just, hang on, hang on, up. hang on, hang on. Let me hang on. I can't, I can't so not continue without opening up a cheeky... Trade Federation wasn't going to blow up. Um, Naboo. It was just they just controlled the droids down there. Mm. So yeah, they had they had to blow it up, but it wasn't because Naboo was going to get destroyed. It was just going to get um, taken over by the separatists. So it was that was different. It, you know, it rhymes by the fact that a Skywalker blows it up at the end almost by potluck um, or using the Force and and but, spinning um, and and spinning because that was a great trick to try. You know, but like, like Qui Gon said, stay in the cockpit. And he did. He did stay in the cockpit. It just happened to be that the ship moved for him. Um, I've got a question for you at the end, actually, on on like weapons, like, but uh, in in Star Wars, that is. Well, okay. I, I I hear your point there about Return of the Jedi. That because that is because I can imagine people would be saying, well, before Rogue One, we had Return of the Jedi, so we've already had two Death Stars. But I, I hear your point about that one, big man. Right. So I've cracked open a birio because I feel like. I need to say this, yeah. Okay. If I'm putting my cynical hat on, which isn't on often. <laughs> you don't often do that. If I, hang on, let me grab my hat, like, plonk that on, yeah. It almost feels, and I, I hinted at this earlier, it almost feels as if the whole story would be a wee bit better without Rogue One. Because it's, it, like, I wouldn't Ooh. be having this conversation if it wasn't for Rogue One. But let me take the hat off and throw it out the window. Oh, I'm not brave enough for politics. Because, because because Rogue One is just so good. So good. It's so good that you... It, it highlights the problem with Force Awakens. It's not... I, In my opinion, it's not the other way round. Yeah. And... But but the problem is, is that, and you can see this is the paradox. This is it happening. 
that problem wouldn't exist. Like we wouldn't necessarily know better if Rogue One didn't exist. Disney created this problem. And like you said, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. It is bad planning. And I can't believe Kathleen Kennedy didn't put that together. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm shocked that she didn't go, hang on. There's this huge plot device in The Force Awakens, and we just go in, potluck, just blow it up, you know, but we have a whole film. You know, it's, I don't, uh, anyway, I'm going to sip my beer. I'm having a San Miguel. He's having a San Miguel. We've had Cassie and Dandor with the so good coming up, um, which is Rogue One centric. Yeah, yeah and uh, and obviously Larry Kasdan worked on the original trilogy. He worked on The Force Awakens. He would have known that there was a Rogue One coming. Larry, come on, mate, come on. Um, and a New Hope set the stage because in the crawl, a, a band of rebel spies have you know have have, um, have tea leave these plans. So it was already there in in a new hope. So we kind of we knew we kind of knew about it anyway, but we didn't know how it went down. We didn't know if they just kind of like nicked it off, like they fell on a train seat and somebody took it. But we saw the lengths that they went to to get it, the sacrifice they made for these plans, and how it would impact the greater good, the greater good, the greater and, good. <laughs> and then, like, uh, and then, like you say, for it to just be, for it to just be replicated to such a large scale. And again, I know I'm going around in circles here, but. It had to be done to bring Star Wars back into the mainstream. Could there have been other ways to utilize Starkiller? Yes, definitely. I just given one, and I'm sticking by that. You have it throughout the whole three films. You know, have, have have it be the threat that you can't just blow up by um, by using a Rogue One as a template by saying, "Oh, let's let's find a oscillator, let's find an exhaust port." No, that doesn't work on this new Starkiller. That would have been the fact, and also because of the fact it's a planet, that would have been boss. And it also would have made Rogue One. It wouldn't have made any better for me because it's already the best. But it would have shown that look, those got the sacrifice they made was pivotal for that moment. And if any, and you know what it did do in the tragedy, I can't say the word tragedy of Rogue One would then be that the sacrifice that Jin and the gang made yeah. meant that the First Order then took that and were like, right, these guys stole our plans and took down an empire. We can't allow that to happen now. We can't ever allow another Rogue One to happen. So there would be like the, the the triumph of Rogue One and the tragedy of Rogue One at the same time. It would have been great, but um, we didn't get that. But I still love The Force Awakens. Everything other than Starkiller, I really like. Yeah. I really, really like it. And we, we know that. I've got, I, I don't dislike the sequel trilogies or anything like that. I really like them. Uh, they've, all three films have got great moments in. The Last Jedi is great. The Force Awakens is great. And The Rise of Skywalker is fine. Um, fine. But it's just fine in it but like you say there was so much more that they could have potentially done but the i'm thinking super weapons now because obviously when you say super super weapon credibility issue mm. obviously the idea of a super weapon is incredible anyway but in star wars if let's just say star killer wasn't around you're in the force awakens uh briefing room it's 2012 and jj said right look bly you've got a great mind about you we know you like architecture so let's see if you can help us now how could they have like I know this is throwing you in a deep end, but how could they have created a galactic threat and made it feel like, palpable without doing a Starkiller base? You know, I would have had it a lot more... Um, I would have had it a lot more localised. Like, I would have maybe the First Order just come in and completely just invade and rip apart a handful of planets by, 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 by force with soldiers 
with with battle with with yeah. wars yeah um that's probably how i would have done it you know i wouldn't have thought you know oh we need a weapon to blow up loads of planets oh i, I would have done the whole first order thing a, a, a bit different i would have made them a bit more rough and ready a bit more disorganized you know mm-hmm. not not necessarily a refinement but more like almost like a step down you know from from what from the glory of the empire that's how i would have done it what about you because it's a good question um, right? well i've posed a question and i've got no idea uh, <laughs> other than yeah utilizing this star killer throughout the entire entire trilogy um i was thinking something along, along the lines of that is basically have the first order take over the galaxy via just a lot of it's snoke's flagship in the last jedi that uh what is it called dreadnought they were beasts. They did damage. The, first, the resistance were terrified of the dreadnoughts. You know, have the first order have, you know, even like six of them just patrolling the galaxy almost. You can think how many ships you can fit inside those. Yeah. And like, on each like, of the major routes, like the uh, the core worlds, the, the mid rim, the outer rim and all that stuff, you station a dreadnought or so. And, and that is how order is... Um, order is kept because like pretty and and then it kind of ties into what you say is that at the same time they've got enough ships and they've got enough room inside enough men inside do you think men and women and soldiers to then take over the the all of those particular regions they could take over the outer room if they wanted to they haven't got to station themselves on every single planet because they rule by fear you think oh tatooine's under the first order control well okay you know the, the planet next to it suddenly we'll, we'll buck our ideas up nope We'll do whatever you say, and in the, in the meantime, knowing that they've got that presence there, and those dreadnoughts do a lot of damage. You don't need a you don't need a massive super weapon. You've got one. He's called Kylo Ren. He's a mile wide. Yeah. He's a force user. He's he's he, and he's got supreme leader Snoke as well. You've got two of the most powerful force users in the galaxy at the time, patrolling your uh, le- leading your leading your battle, leading your uh, charge. That's enough. That's 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 enough for me. Two massive force users, a fleet or or a a consignment of dreadnoughts, and an absolute fleet of just smaller ships within those to keep the galaxy in order. And then the resistance are a ragtag bunch. So even, the rag the resistance can't take down six dreadnoughts, even though they can take down Stark. You know, they can't they can't fight their their fleet isn't big enough. To yeah. take on the first order, so they've got to use guerrilla tactics. They've got to use rebel tactics again, but it is then it then becomes more ground battles and space battles rather than taking down a, a super weapon. How cool would that be? Whereas in at the end of uh, well, most most of the films, uh, the Phantom Menace, uh, Empire, sorry, Jedi, sorry, and that you've got uh, and Roger Skywalker, you've got like three things happening at once. You've got the ground the sp- and Rogue One. How cool would it be if you've just got like three space battles going on in different areas of the galaxy or three ground battles going on where it's not just, oh, you're in the sky, you're on a space station, I know you're on the ground. That would have been a lot better for me. And that's why Rogue One for me is the best ending of any Star War because it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's exactly that. You've got the, the in-atmosphere battle above Scarif, you've got the space battle above Scarif, but then you've got the ground battle. And that's why it works for me because you haven't got, and obviously you've got the Death Star is there, but it's not, you know, that, that, that comes in a wreck shop at the end. I would have loved that. You know, if the trilogy was more akin to the end of Rogue One, where it's like factions fighting against each other with what they've got, 
not one having to try to plot to take down the other's super weapon and then, oh, we'll just build Star Destroyers of the same capability. Like you said, make it more localised, man, and make it more of an actual threat where it's it's armies against armies and it's yeah. like the old battles of old where you've got like 10,000 on one side and it's kind of like 2,000 on the other and that would have been great to me, mate. I've uh, Somebody else could write that for a lot better, but that's what I would have liked. And it kind of played off what you said, man. Yeah, no, I and I think, you know, like you said, this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean that Star Wars has a super weapon problem, you know, because I think you could still have big weapons in whatever format, you know, in future films, but just do it differently. You know, like you said, a super weapon doesn't literally have to be like a planet killing machine. It could just be the machine that is Kylo Ren, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And don't you know, put on a cowl. And at the end of the day, you know, Rogue One is seen as a very original film. You know, it's loved by so many people. So, so, so many people. George Lucas loves Rogue One, right? And. And also, you know, another shout out to Gareth Edwards, you know, mm. the first and only so far, unless I'm wrong, right? In which case, correct me. I'm very sure he's the only British Star Wars uh, director. I don't know about Richard uh, Marquand. Was he British? Uh, I Let me don't get think that he was. Who was oh, the other one? Like, Ryan Johnson's America. I, th- I think Richard Mark one might have been. Yeah, he's, he's, Welsh, he's Welsh, so yeah, he's, he's a Welsh boy. He's he's a Brit. Okay, he's a <clears> boy. well that backfired, but still, Gareth Edwards is the second Brit to direct he's the Star first Englishman, Wars. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and I have so many fond memories of Rogue One. You know, going to celebration in London in in 2016, and there's a lot of association with the UK. And Rogue One. Rogue One feels a bit more British. It feels a bit more gritty, a bit more real, like a tragedy. It feels, you know, almost Shakespearean. You know, yeah, they, these are the heroes. They all die. They all feels die. More real, man. And, um, you know, it was shot in Canary Wharf in London on the underground, you know. That's oh, right. Come on. So sick. I have so many fond memories of rogue one and it did come left field because there was it was plagued with production issues and that's that's well you know i say that but it was very much the media that made it out to be like that and i'm sure there were issues and i think there was issues but yeah it was all you heard as a star wars fan and i'm sure you were the same matt like in 2016 all we heard was rogue one's going to be rubbish because they can't Mm. get their act together it's in trouble it's in trouble and then Lo and behold, we go see it. It's sick. It is great. And I think I came out the cinema of Rogue One thinking, wow, I didn't expect it to be that good. Mate. Well, there was there was the issues, obviously, with um, Alexandra Desplat as well, leaving um, composing duties, and they got uh, Michael Giacchino on. And it's like, oh, what's the music going to sound like? This guy's literally had, like, four weeks to... He's had about about 10 weeks to create a compose the themes and about under four weeks to actually get in the studio and record these. What's that going to sound like? It's a cobbled together mess. It's going to be, you know, what's all this about? Oh, you're all rebels. I rebel. And everyone's thinking, Oh no, is this the tone? And uh, you look back at the old, the teaser trailer one 
and literally none of it's in the film. It's, it's incredible. But I like the look of teaser trailer one. And then teaser trailer two is a completely different thing. But what Gareth Edwards did, and a quick Google search says that he was born in Nuneaton, but it also says Gareth Edwards is a Welsh director. So it looks like the uh, the Welsh are flying the flag for Star Wars here, but in Britain. But no, Rogue One feels like quintessentially British as well. A lot of it feels very British, um, you know, which is good for us. Probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. And for me, it's probably yeah. the best Star Wars film out there. Um, come at me. But no, Gareth Edwards did a great job of that film. The The Rogue One paradox isn't. Gareth Edwards' fault. He he was given a job to do, you know, explain how the right. Death Star plans were, were nicked. That's not his fault that 12 months earlier, they kind of like went full paradox, paradoxical. We're like, well, we know it's, I don't know, it's bigger, blow it up somehow. Don't know. We, we, yeah. We've done it before, we'll do it again, isn't it, man? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's a Rogue One problem. I think it's, you know, a 2015 era, 2016 era Lucasfilm <laughs> Paradox. <laughs> he comes from a land far, far away. A little place that some people call Great Britain. Exiled for streaking at the royal wedding, he left his motherland along with the only woman he ever truly loved his horse. Finally finding a parking spot for his Millennium Falcon. He's the director of Rogue One. He is Gareth Edwards. Please welcome Congratulations on Rogue One, your Star Wars film. Is that still a little bit surreal to think, holy moly, that's me, Gareth, my name's up there now with that film? I mean, it's never your film. It's like Star Wars. <laughs> I can't take it. I think legally Disney own it. I, you know, or oh, the world owns it now. Like you give it, you sort of borrow Star Wars and then you give it back. Um, and I think honestly, if someone, if one individual is to take credit for any Star Wars film, it's George Lucas. And and my my only real drive, like through this whole thing, was just trying to trying to get it to be as good as the films I grew up with because. To me, they're masterpieces, and the idea of doing a film that directly connects the original was like, okay, if we do this, we've got to, like, shoot for the moon. Congratulations. You are being rescued. I'm K2SO. And now that Rogue One has been added to the Star Wars canon, would you have a recommended viewing order for all of the films that exist? It's tricky, doesn't it? Yeah, what do you reckon? I mean, if you've never seen any of them, or if you're a fan, if you've never seen any of them, then obviously the thing you start with is Rogue One, right? And then you you go into A New Hope. Empire, and I, I think any order kind of works. Intercepted Imperial transmission, ma'am. Rebels on Scarif. I need to speak with Admiral Radis. He's returned to his ship. He's going to fight. I mean, I watched the original Star Wars every day, you know, before school as a kid, and uh, got into filmmaking because of this. The, the idea of actually doing the, the film that connect, you know, connects directly to it is, is just a bit surreal. We stand amidst my achievement, not yours! I'm afraid the recent security breaches have laid bare your inadequacies as a military director. The breaches have been filled. There are obviously so many people uh, around the world who are seeing the film for the first time this week, and that's yeah. probably you know, a mixture of relief and holy moly, <laughs> it's out there now. But is there one person to you that you want to see it, somebody special to you, and you like, I hope they see it, and I hope that they really love it. Um, you know, that that makes it all worthwhile for you personally. 
There was, yeah. His name was George Lucas. It's pretty surreal. If I wasn't on the stage, I'd be paying money to be in the crowd. It was like I'm a massive Star Wars fan. It's where Star Wars was made. You know, the original trilogy was shot in London, and the, you know, Force Awakens was London. We're London. So it's the home, as far as I'm concerned, for Star Wars. If you tell me as a kid, like 40 years from now, like you're gonna get to make movies, but like, wow, and then go, guess what movie? Star Wars. I just don't think I would have believed it. I would have been. It's all very surreal. Every day is surreal on Star Wars. Rogue One, may the Force be with you. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, aka Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. All this paradox talk, mate, has made me uh, clacking for a pint of something cold. Uh, it just happens to be we've landed outside the Bantina, shall we? Oh, let's do it, mate. <laughs> Talking of machines. Um, as we do each week, if you're new to the show or if you're old, we sit down here in the Bantina with the greatest listeners in the galaxy, which is all of you, and we have a couple of Kef beers whilst getting your thoughts on our main discussion, which of course this week was the Rogue One Paradox. And as usual, we got a bunch of awesome replies, didn't we, mate? Oh yes, we got some spicy replies all across social media. And to start us off is Jim Monday Gill, or Jill? Jim Mundy Jill, I think. Yeah. Who said, not at all. I think the Empire itself gives super weapons, especially spherical ones, a credibility issue by their stupidity not to learn from the first one. I have only two gripes with The Force Awakens, which is amazing. One is Starkiller Base. As soon as I saw it, I thought, really? Come on. Same, Jim. Same. Sean Hudson, familiar name, don't know where I know it from, said, I don't think so. Unfortunately, however, The Force Awakens does. Super Weapon is absolutely key to this story, so it needs to be in it. Mando shows, though, what good Star Wars writing and planning can do. Hear, hear, Sean. Good shout, good shout. And finally, Paul Mulholland said, Every year, Gillette thinks about product development. I saw this comment. This is genius. Uh, Every year, Gillette thinks about product development and then say, Meh, just stick another blade on it. Starkiller Base is an extra blade. Paul, you absolute naughty legend. Very good. That's it, mate. The best of Mandalorian can get Gillette. Um, uh, Jim, Monday Gill, I want to know what the other problem you've got with The Force Awakens is. You can't leave us hanging like that. uh, Great comments there, everybody. We also received a voice message from Chris Brazier. So let's go ahead and listen to it. Hello, Chris Brazier here. Does Rogue One's storytelling give Star Wars a super weapon credibility issue? No, I don't think so. I think The Force Awakens did that. The scene where the Resistance were basically calling Starkiller Base... Death Star 3, and even had Han joke about how 
it's bigger, was quite damaging to any credibility uh, that superweapon Starkiller Base actually had in that film, especially the ridiculous, there must be some kind of thermal oscillator line that followed afterwards from J.J. Abrams' mate. Um, that was just techno-babble nonsense, and none of the good guys actually seemed afraid of Starkiller Base in any way whatsoever. Rogue One at least presented the Death Star as a real threat that the good guys were actually scared of. Yeah, nice one, Chris, mate. We totally agree with you on that. And yeah, Abrams' mate came up with that story. I um, love that. Uh, I love it. Abr- Abrams' old mate said that. Uh, I know you agree with that voice message, mate, don't you? Yeah, yeah oh, hands down, mate. I love the JJ Abrams' mate. I think it's Greg, Greg Grumberg, isn't it? His name That's is. it. <laughs> Abrams' old mucker, Grumberg. That's it. Uh, we also got one from our boy down under, the King of, New- the King of Australia, originally from New Zealand, and an all round good lad. Darth Dildo said. Well, because there's always a bigger fish, as per Qui-Gon, there should always be a bigger super weapon too. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah, well, there you go. It's, it's <laughs> the ring theory, it. isn't it? Like, this is what Star Wars does. You have a super weapon, we'll just make a bigger one. It's like poetry, it rhymes. We didn't know, but all the way back in 1999, or whenever it was in Star Wars universe, Qui-Gon wasn't actually talking about the fish. <laughs> He's talking about Starkiller. He it was knew, a didn't prophecy. he? <laughs> he knew. <laughs> that was a chosen one. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. Yes, that is right. It is the Patreon section of the Bantina where our patrons on the $3 tier get to ask us a question every month guaranteed. That's a lot to say in one sentence, but we love it, don't we, mate? But I love our I love answering these questions, man. They are I love our patrons. I literally this is this may be my favorite part of every episode, even with the main discussion, all the comments we get. I love these because they're always so weird and like varied. They are very varied, and we've got some spicy ones to get through today, Matty boy. Our first question is all the way from Colorado, USA. Jess Olsen asks, if you guys could travel to any Star Wars planet for a vacation, or, sorry, a holiday, which would it be? P.S. Love you guys. Jess, I love the little British nod there. That's right. We don't call vacations vacations. We call them holidays. I'm going to America on my holiday. Anyway, Matty boy, Jess has got a spicy question there. What are you saying there, mate? Uh, you naughty girl, Jess. We love you too. Uh, we love your support. Um, well, we've just been talking about Rogue One. Send me off on a vacay or a holiday. I will go Scarif. Even the troopers there treat it like a holiday. Do you remember? Are we blind? Deploy the garrison! The guys there were just sunbathing and necking back their pina coladas. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't want to go to... It's the Maldives, isn't it? Who wouldn't want to go there? So... Scarif, if I want to go and top up my pasty tan, um, Canto Bite, bit of me that is, I fancy a bit of that, but I'd go for Scarif, mate, but what about you? You always uh, say Canto Bite, didn't you? <laughs> I know, love, I just want to put on a suit and bowler. Um, I would really like to, hang on, I'm just Googling it at the moment, because I have previously said Naboo, but you know what? I'm thinking of somewhere else. You know what I'm thinking of? Yeah, for the for the architecture. I really want to go to Sevilla in Spain yes. because that's where they filmed um, some I think of my brother's the been there. And he, he took some pictures of it. Oh, mate, it looks gorgeous, and it's it's crazy because some of the architecture is almost like North African. 
like you can see where where is previously uh, Muslim in that part of Spain. How the architecture there, the Islamic architecture. Anyway, I'm going off on one. Sorry, Matt. Right, Jess. I'm, I'm going to say a new one. Sorgan. I'd go to Sorgan on the Mandalorian Ooh. because those fishing villages look sick. The people are lovely. They're, they're like fishing, I don't know, like prawns or whatever they are. <laughs> space prawns. Um, space langoustine. Yeah. Yeah, space prawns, as I'd say in South Africa. Prawns. Um, space prawns. Aye. Um, aye, brew. Oh, we love it. Um, yeah, I'd say Sorgan in the Mandalorian because that looks... It looks lovely, and the people there look lovely. As long as there's no bounty hunters turning up trying to put a drink over my head, then <laughs> yeah. well, those I'm dog geezers, right. yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Platoonian, sorry. And it has a pub. It has a pub. Yes, so, you know, a win-win. And Baby Yoda was Baby Yoda was here. So, um, mm. yeah, nice one, Jess. And to start, so we, well, we always forget to say, but I'm going to say it now. We want to hear everybody's answers on this. So, Jess, where would you go? Everyone listening, where would you go for a Star Wars vacay holiday? Anywhere in the galaxy. It could be somewhere awful if you really fancy it. But nice one. Thank you, Jess. Our next one comes from Commander Lara Milerun. Or Blilerun. She asked, don't know if anyone has asked this, but if you could pick any character in the EU, the Extended Universe, Either in, to see either in live action or animation, who would it be and why? Uh, Lara says, I pick Dalian Brock from Into the Void. He leapt off the pages for me. I love how his story is told. And it would be really interesting to actually watch something set over 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. Thank you, guys, and congrats again on the 100th episode. Thank you very much, Lara, for being part of the journey and getting to the 100th episode and for being a patron. Um, wonderful question. Lukey Boy, EU we're talking now, Legends yeah. as it's known. Who would you pick and why? So, Lara, I would I would be a fool not to pick Ash Ketchum from Pallet Town. Really. Because catch them all. he is the best and he's great, you know? He sees a caterpillar thing and he says, that's going to be mine. You know, that animal, that wild animal is going to be mine and, I, and he's going to live in a small ball in my pocket. So... I like there where we we're go. going. Yeah, no. Um, do you know what? I'd, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the EU, but I love Cole Katarn. Uh, and I do own a Cole Katarn action figure <laughs> that I got from do Nerdbase. You? I do. I'm not told you about this. No. Hang on. Keeping secrets. <laughs> I've got. Yeah, I have a Kalkatai action figure. I got it. I saw it on the pegs at Nerdbase. I was like, that is so random. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that here? It. And um, yeah, it was. It says on it, like it's from the old uh, Kenner collection when they were doing the um, Power of the Force line. So this is in like the mid 90s. And um, yeah, there's there was a Cole Katarn action figure. He's got like a moustache and everything. It doesn't look super like him, to be honest. And the image they have on the packaging is like the worst two D animated image from <laughs> from like the video game from um, I forget which one. Maybe Dark Forces, I think the name is. But I've, I'm probably wrong on that, so I'll come back to that. But yeah, Cole Katarn, I think would be really cool. And I think you could actually use his character, like do a bit of a Rebels thing like where Thrawn has been introduced between A New Hope and Empire and Rebels. 
you could introduce Kalkatan in in a future generation of Star Wars, maybe even Mando like era. You know, um, I'd love to see a character like Kalkatan show up. Yeah. What, what about you, mate boy? What are you saying? That's a good shout, mate. I didn't know you had a Kalkatan. I'm gonna have to next time I next time when lockdown eases and Shay Bly calls, I've got to see Blaukatan. Hey, another Bly pun, two in one well, show. Um, I've got to check that one out, man. Um, I would go for. Um, Ben Skywalker. It was Luke Skywalker's lad with Mara Jade. And I know a lot of people would just simply say, I'd rather see Mara Jade back. But, you know, you've got... I like the idea of having Princess Leia's son. You've got, in this case, we'd have Ben Solo. And here we'd have... You'd probably have to change his name because two Bens would be weird. But then they also had Anakin Solo in Legends, which was Han and Leia's other son who got killed. And then you had Jason Solo and the other one. And had this sister, I can't remember her name, Janus, Jan, Jana Solo. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, Jana, I think. That's it. But Ben Skywalker is, yes, Mara Jade and Luke's son. So I just like, just just for that kind of the conflict it would have had in Luke, to, like in the Force of the Last Jedi, sorry, or Rise of Skywalker, if there was another little Skywalker running around. And I know that kind of flies in the face of what we said before about, oh, why do we have to elongate the Skywalker saga? Doesn't necessarily mean that further stories have to be about Ben Skywalker, but you know, just you know, there's another Skywalker out there. He might not want to be a famous Jedi like his dad was. He might just want to be a moisture farmer. But I just the idea of having Ben Skywalker in or or, or Skywalker, the son of Skywalker, in the galaxy would be quite cool. Again, they would have had to retool yeah. the entire sequels for it. But his story in um, in Legends was was pretty cool. He was kicked out of Coruscant because he didn't stop Jason Solo falling into the dark side, or he couldn't. Um, he faced off against Abeloth, who was like the most like, unreal. He thought Starkiller was OP, Galen Merrick. Abeloth is like, he's just evil personified, like immortal. It's stupid. Um, but he had a good story in Legends, so I'd have liked to have seen um, Ben Skywalker. And if they could have given Ben Solo a couple of couple more siblings, that could have been an interesting dynamic between... You know, the, the, the Skywalker solo cousins, that could have been quite pretty cool. Otherwise, my boy, Mount Sorrow, that mountain on Endor, that just Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good shout. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> the the Yuzan Vong. Part. Bring back the Yuzan Vong. Bring back the guys who are immune to the Force. You want the, haven't we mentioned before to bring back the Vong, just not quite the Vong with Chewbacca I'm, and all that? I'm very much pro the idea of a race coming out of from the unknown regions and invading the galaxy and everyone having to team up to defeat said threat but uh yeah maybe one day matt and who knows with the the skywalker thing maybe luke has a little sprog somewhere who knows who knows who knows baby who knows yeah exactly force baby you don't know little raylo force baby a a a luke low face yeah don't know how that worked but yeah Lucra. no okay yeah he's out there maybe or she yeah yeah so anyway <laughs> moving on we've kind of butchered we've butchered the question lara but there we go thank you for asking nice one um up next alex jessup the man who is willing to punch anyone for a fiver is move milker the best recurring insult in the star wars universe matty boy I love Moof Milker. You got Nerf Herder, Moof Milker. The Mando gave us Dank Farrick, whatever that means. Um, nice. Just, I think, well, it's my favourite one just because of the word, it's got the word Milker in it. In which way, in any way, is Milker like a, a, an awful thing to say? You Moof Milker. Um, 
but yeah, I think it, well, as soon as I heard Han say in The Force Awakens, which move was tampered with the compressor or whatever it was he said I was like yep yeah, that's that's Han that's that Star Wars like Nerf Herder Moof Milker I love it um, it is hard to argue with the OG though the Nerf Herder but I do like Moof Milker because it's got alliteration so I'm going to say yes Alex also so you don't fight me but yes I am going to go Moof Milker is the best what about you Lukey boy I don't know man like if you're I mean the the, the um, Nerf Herder is pretty cool because you know it's Nerf or nothing but also, you know, um, Bamfa fodder, you know, oh, you're nothing oh. but Bamfa fodder, mate. Uh, but also, you picture this, mate. Imagine if you are, say, an Imperial, you're an imp, and someone comes up to you like, oi, you're like, yeah, what? And you're like, listen, do you know what you are? And you're like, what? And you're like, you're a buckethead, mate. <laughs> mate, are you having a laugh? You're going home and you're crying to your mum. That's it. It's like, come so, on, guys, you... You know, don't take it too far here. Yeah. So, uh... Buckethead. That's what I reckon, Jessup, big boy. That's what I reckon. I reckon Buckethead. But, you know, Move Milker is a naughty one. Like Matt said, it does have the word Milker in it. So, that's good. That's good. Anything, any, you know, if anything, English doesn't have Milker in it enough. We don't have yeah. enough expressions that's like, oh, that was such a milky time. That's it, yeah. Or, um, or yeah, yeah. I could be right. I was to show you watch the other day. Oh, it's proper milky, mate. Proper milky yeah. show. Check it out. Oh, it's milk, mate. Like you know, like people from up New- Newcastle, they're like, oh, it's mint, mate. It's mint. And we're that's like, it. Hang yeah, on. That's right. No, hang on, mate. It's milk down here. Or oh. people down south, like yeah. me, call things mints, which is bad. So <laughs> uh, let's go in the middle. Let's go. Let's give us some kind of like um, beverage, some liquid, liquid kind of insult or liquid. Uh, compliments so milk yeah there you go guys sessionism yeah, tell us how milk your week's been yeah that's milk that's milk milk question Alex cheers yes. speaking of proper milkers and milky people Sammy Cudmore the king of Florida not Canada not he Canada. said um, if you could have any ship or speeder in the entire canon Star Wars universe what would it be and why also would you make any upgrades to it Sammy wants to raise a quest raise a quest raise a crest speed maneuverability firepower beef and enough seating for the homies it's basically a vintage muscle car and i'm here for it cheers mates you're not wrong there sammy luke any ship or speeder in star wars canon what's it going to be why would you would you uh, pimp it out yeah it's kind of hard um not to uh not to say razor crest just because <laughs> oh. it has kind of become the one of the coolest ships ever in star wars um but, but, you know, uh, yeah, it was, was, rip, rip. But um, precisely because it is it is deaded, um, it's been royally yeeted, um, I'm going to go for something else. Uh, you know I'm a pretty cool boy, Sam. Go on. You know I'm a pretty cool boy. Um, cheeky shout out before I say my main pick to um, Naboo Starfighter. Because That's one of mine as well. Because it's yellow. And it's sweet. That sweet, sweet yellow paint job is pretty spicy. But um, hang on, let me let me answer this with um, <clears throat> Nubian. Ah, you want Nubian? <laughs> I'd say Nubian. You know, I think it's a pretty sleek, like just nice design. You know, just turn it up. Be like, wow, Nubian. Yeah, mate. I bought it. I bought it. What? So. 
Nubian. I was yeah. gonna. I'd actually. I was gonna go for one of those as well because just look at them. Look at it. Imagine, imagine, imagine bowling up to a house party with that. You know. Yeah. You know, you'll get, you'll, you'll get, you know, everyone's going to be like, look how milk this fella is, you know, they're getting all the milk. Um, me, um, other than saying, obviously, the Falcon, because you could pimp that out, uh, I'm going to go for the Ghost, the uh, Harrison ship, because nice. basically it's, it, the whole thing is basically a weapon, but it's got living barracks in, and you don't, and I, to be fair, I wouldn't want too many people on the ship, so I would get rid of, like, Zeb and Ezra's dirty cabin, and I'd change that into, like, a, in, into an informal room. Now, do you want to be great enough at a bar or something? So you could again room for the homies in there as well. It's not very big. It's nimble. Um, it's clear. It's it's clearly got longevity because it's it was around from the well, basically the, the Clone Wars almost till the rise of Skywalker. So you can't blow these things up. They're weapons. They're fast. They look cool. Let's not forget they look cool. They've got enough space to have an absolutely milk party on there. So um, I would pick the Ghost, mate. Uh, so we've gone for the ghost, a Nubian, and Sammy's gone for the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest is a good shout, though, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I think Razor Crest is still one of the spiciest designs ever in Star Wars. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it. it feels cozy. I can't believe they were brave enough to blow it up. Like, oh, that's I love mental. That Even though I hate that they did. Uh, me too, but I kind of respect it. I kind of respect it. I'm like, man, that's brave. Oh, Mando. Mando is just filth, isn't it? It is filth. I, I want to go. We mentioned the guardrails earlier on. And it made me think of uh, the Mithril saying, I don't want to go out there. There's, there's, there's no guardrails. Like, I've got to go watch Mando again because it just gets it right, doesn't it? Um, well, that's our Patreon questions for this week. Thank you so much to everyone who sent those in. We'll have a new batch next week. If you do want to send your own one in, $3 tier, patreon.com forward slash Star Wars sessions so again we want to hear your answers to that but that is that for our stay here in the band team the kef beers are empty now sorry about the mess bartender but we'll be back next week for another wonderful stay in the band tina ladies and gentlemen it's the star wars sessions game That's right, it is that time of the show where we play the Star Wars Sessions game. game! Game! Each week, Matt and I take turns on hosting the game. This week, it is my turn. Matty boy, are you ready for this Spice Train special? Make it a milky one. It, it is going to be absolute milk. Um, we are going to decide what Rogue One character you are. Okay, yes. so this is a very much a Q and A. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to know Matt. Sit down, everyone. Grab a pint, and we'll all get to know who really is Matt Hudson. Play the music, Matty boy. Are you ready, mate? I'm ready. I'm Matt, ready. Matt, what is your greatest strength? Survival instincts, sarcasm, keen observational skills, lofty aspirations. There are 10 of these questions, and that's the first one. Uh, lofty aspirations, mate. Uh, none of those other fit me too well, but I always think, well, if you can dream it, you can do it. Here's to the fools that dream. You naughty boy. That's a good That's a good one. That's a good one. So question number two, how would you describe yourself? A person on a mission, just trying to keep my head down. 
good at following orders. A natural leader. Uh, <laughs> um, what was the first one again? A person on a mission. Uh, a person on a mission. I'm going to go for... <laughs> well, um, I'm going to go for a person on a mission, mate. You naughty boy. You're a little scoundrel, aren't you? I, do, I remember the last time I played this game, you, you told me that I had like, anger issues and I had to seek yeah. help. <laughs> do you remember that? I was like, oh, sorry, mate. Um, Record scratch. This is, this is really weird. And you were like, That's oh, right. really? Yeah, we'll have to figure out which one. That was a joke, by the way. I was. It, it was, that. by the way. It was a massive joke. Check out the episode. We'll, we'll, we'll link it one day. But it was. Yeah, first on the mission, mate. Right, okay. That's that sentence. So number three, what do you like to do for fun? Solve puzzles, target practice, take long relaxing baths, tackle DIY projects. None of them. Um, target practice sounds hilarious, but um, take long baths, DIY, or the first one. Which was, what was the first solve one? Solve puzzles. Um, I do like to problem solve. Uh, I don't. I, I I shower more than I bath, but I do like a bath. Uh, I do like a bit of DIY, but I get frustrated at it. Um, target practice. I mean, I don't really like fire at the children, so um, you don't. I, no, I, I should do more often, shouldn't I, mate? Nerf uh, or nothing. Nerf or nothing. Nerf or nothing. Alleviate that stress with some like like bullseye some womp rats. I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say puzzles because um, no, like I do like a game. That's a good one. That's a good one. Right, okay, so question number four. What subject would you devote your life to studying? History, politics, religion, or engineering? Oh, his- history or engineering. Um, I love a bit of history, but I'm going to go engineering, because I think that could help me out now. Ooh, that's a naughty one. Okay, question number five is, what is your greatest fear? Losing something important to you? Failure? Fear is the path to the dark side, and I'm one with the force. Losing all hope. <laughs> it's a bit on the nose, but you know, we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. I wonder third one can be. Uh, I think the in-world answer, losing something that means a lot. Losing something close to you, so A, please. Okay. Good option. Uh, question number six. How do you respond to a friend in need? What friends? I might show up to help at the last minute. What friends? I'll do whatever it takes to help. What friends? I have to look out for myself. Uh, what friends? <laughs> friends? Well, uh, oh, friend, friend in need. Um, well, I'd like to think I was there for my friends. If I re- I'd like to think, I, you know, the little that I could do, I'd like to think I could help. So I am going to, I am going to kind of toe that line and say, yes, I would be there to help, whichever, however I could, big or small. So I'll do whatever it takes to help. Yeah. Yeah, so my Good friends. man. Good man. Friends. All right, number seven. Who would you trust most on a mission? Cassian Andor, Bail Organa, Baze Malbus, a loyal droid. Uh, well, Bail, well, he, uh, he got blown up on Alderaan. Baze was a boss. Uh, a loyal droid. Uh, it. And what was the first one, sorry? Cassian Andor. Oh, Cassian would shoot me in the back if he had a chance to. Hmm. Yeah, there is that. Bale was smooth. Baze had that gun, though. Baze... I think... Baze is a cynic, and he just go. I'm going to go for Bale, because Baze goes in all guns blazing, and he's quality. I love Baze, one of my favourite characters, but he just goes in all guns, whereas Bale, even though he let himself get blown up, he 
he thinks about the situation a bit more. So I'm going to go for Bale. That is a good answer, mate. That is I'm a really spicy. This, but I'm trying it. No, that's a spicy answer. I respect it. Bale Organa. Okay, number eight. How do you respond to a fight with whatever it takes to win with a snarky remark by finding a diplomatic solution? I don't back down. Uh, I was hoping run would be one of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, I always try to find a diplomatic solution. Um, I'm, I I'm not even a lover, let alone a fighter, but I certainly wouldn't class myself as a fighter. Um, yeah, I would try to find a diplomatic solution. So um, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm not brave enough to tease a senator. You're not brave enough for politics. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, number nine. Which Star Wars character would be your greatest nemesis? Tarkin, the Emperor, Krennic, Kenobi, Director Krennic. Um, who's bigger than who's bigger than than the Emperor? I mean, Tarkin. Again, Tarkin's um, hubris got him blown up. Krennic's yeah. hubris got him blown up. Uh, Kenobi. Well, to be fair, he's got the high ground. True. Oh, the high ground or the most evil Sith in the galaxy. Oh, I'd, I'd team up with Kenobi. We'd be proper milk together, we'd be. Uh, it's yeah. got, it'd be Papa Palps, mate. That is a milk answer, mate. That is a milk answer. Uh, final question. What's your favourite colour? Brown, red, white or black? Uh, I'm a red boy, my friend. Ooh, Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, this is a bit weird. It's um, <laughs> it's come up. Matt says we can't answer this. The the questions are too too varied. <laughs> Need to go see a psychologist. That's no, it. it's no, 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 no. Okay, you are a strong believer in equality, and you're not afraid to speak out about what you feel is wrong in the world or the galaxy. You could lead a rebellion. In fact congratulations you are Mon Mothma <laughs> Mon Mathma oh, Mon, Mon <laughs> yeah. Mathma oh well, well I'm not sure I could lead a rebellion but I, I like the rest of it they said uh, let me just go and get on my white robe and change my my hair isn't all that different actually so let me get my white robe and some milky, milky robe They're they milk are milky robes milk Mothma so Mon Mathma is my new name um I like that one, mate. I like. I was thinking to myself, if you're play, if you're gonna make something up here, let me go for the serious answers, which means that you you've then got to put more pressure on you to come up with. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're yeah, you're you're crazy, mate. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, so I'm Mon Mothma. You are oh, Mon sweet. Mothma. You are Mon Mothma. MCM Comic Con later this year. Mon Mothma. Oh, yes. At least one day I'll turn up in a robe. Many puffins died to bring us this information ties in with rogue one a little bit so you know oh, it does actually without yeah. realizing it we've just we've got our own little paradox going on here yeah everything is a paradox when you think about it so <laughs> everything leads back to rogue one so what's the point <laughs> who cares yeah. what are we doing this show for thanks for listening it's the last show yeah 102 oh <laughs> 102 honestly mate i enjoyed that an awful lot i just wonder if you're going to pull a fast one on me at the end but Mon Mathma is me at the end. Uh, expect <laughs> to get a game very similar in the, in the next few weeks, mate, because I love those kind of games. But, um, well, that is the game, and that is that. We just mentioned for this episode of Star Wars Sessions, episode 102. But you know the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone, least of all us. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? 
they can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. Search for us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We're on all of them. Just search as Star Wars Sessions and we will be there. Drop us an email or a cheeky voice note. We love getting messages from you guys. Send it to our spicy email address. Hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. And don't forget about that Patreon, guys. Patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Uh, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy. You can find a podcast, you'll find us there. And if you love what you've just heard, if you love the sessions, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast provider of choice. Head on over to podchaser.com and do the same. It's the IMDB for podcast. It's awesome. So drop us a review over there too. And for those who've done that this week, thank you so, so, so much because it gets us out there to more people. We get more engagement. We get to hear from you guys each and every week, which is what we're all about. So thank you. If you don't have an iPhone, but your missus does, jump on her iPhone. She'll be like, what are you doing? Just I'm, doing a, I'm doing a review for Star Wars Sessions on Apple Podcasts because it helps them so much and they are just so good. Tell her <laughs> that. Tell her that. Um, please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum. Tell your dad. Tell your mates. Tell your cats. Tell Mom Matma. Tell your Ewok. Tell your cousin. The more, the merrier. Their castle spicier. That's it. Tell the Welsh who are carrying the flag for Star Wars over here. Now, this is the podcast they're looking for. But until next time, from me, Mon Mathma, see ya. And from Luke, may the force be with you always. Luke, Luke. Maze Balbus. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. of her using it against you. It's high. Let's get going. It's very high. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>